Wednesday was uh, Veterans Day, and so we thank the veterans who served, and um, I figure it's yes, give them a hand. So I also think it's time for me to bust out an old basic training story. Um, summer of 1992, Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Uh, I was becoming familiar with all my battle gear, as every uh, recruit is. You know, your Kevlar helmet, uh, your M16. Okay, that was the standard issue rifle at the time. I think it's different now. Uh, but we become so familiar with it that we would even sing about it, right? I used to date a beauty queen. Now I hug my M16, right? We <laughs> sing songs about our, our weaponry. And, you know, a part of the training also was uh, becoming familiar with the equipment we needed to withstand chemical or biological attack, okay? Because, again, that's a part of warfare. And uh, especially with biological agents, you can't see them, but they are still very deadly and disruptive on the battlefield. So we were given equipment to to be able to continue to do battle if we were attacked with a biological or chemical agent called a mop gear. I think it's called mission-oriented protection posture gear. I think that's what it, my, my memory's going. Um, I think that's what it was called. But you know, what you would call a gas mask, also uh, a full sort of coverings to cover all of our skin. We would train with these things. We'd learn how to shoot in full gear, even though it was 90 degrees or 100 degrees in South Carolina. We'd have to wear all this gear, learn how to fire our uh, M16s with it, march with it, everything. Well, towards the end of the basic training, we went to these um, basically big cement huts where they would put tear gas in these huts. Right? And because they wanted to make sure we were comfortable enough with our equipment that we would be able to trust in it. So in full gear, we marched into these huts where they had tear gas opened. And as we were marching in, some of the people were on the other side who had already gone in, they're vomiting, their you know, mucus is just streaming down their face, and their eyes are all watering, and so we're a little bit nervous. But nonetheless, we do what you're told. So we march in there, and there's like a haze but I could breathe fine. It was great. It's like, oh, wow, I can really trust in this protective gear that I've been issued. And then the drill sergeant says, all right, masks off. We're like, excuse me? You see, in battle, sometimes your mask gets torn off, and you need to know how to put it back on, clear it effectively so you can continue the mission. And so that's what we did. We had to pull our masks off hold it for three seconds, and when I took that protective mask off, I felt that, that tear gas immediately felt like needles in my exposed skin. But nonetheless, you hold it for three seconds, and then you put it back on, you blow it out, so as if you were, were blowing any of the contaminants out, so then you can breathe again. Now, mine worked fine, and I was like, oh, okay, this is how it works. But a couple other people, it didn't work so well. So they go flying out, they're vomiting, they're thing. But even, and then once we got out, even just having it on our clothing, it would come and everyone was sort of, uh, eyes were, were crying and all of that stuff. The point is, is that there are threats. Sometimes they are hidden, but they are still deadly. And this is also true in the spiritual realm. Okay? As Christians, we've been given a new identity in Christ, 
We are uh, children of God, but that also means that we are supernatural, that we have God's spirit filling us, but that means we're also engaged in a spiritual battle, that we do not just engage in the flesh and blood, but that there are spiritual forces going on that will both uh, try to attack us from the inside, but also that's going on on the outside. And today, in the last section of Ephesians, Paul is giving us the marching orders. He's giving the Ephesian church the marching orders to get ready for spiritual warfare because now you are spiritual beings. You are children of light, and therefore you will be attacked on, on the spiritual level. So be ready. Spiritual kingdom requires spiritual warfare, but God has equipped us. He has given us all the equipment necessary to withstand spiritual attack and to stand firm in the victory that Christ already won. So let's look at Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20 is our scripture reading today. Apostle Paul says, finally, again, because this is our last time in Ephesians, after this section, he just gives a little bit of a greetings, but this is his wrap up. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So in today's passage, Paul wraps up the letter to the Ephesians by urging the church to prayerfully persevere against all spiritual opposition through the Lord's strength and through their new identity in Christ. And that identity, it's a supernatural identity. And so we need to be ready for battle in the supernatural realm. And Paul here, he communicates both the need to trust in God and the need to put that trust into action. So first command is to rely on God's strength, right? And, and, and rely on our identity in Christ. Verse 10, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Remember, Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3, Paul has been talking about how they have the strength. They have a new identity. They have all this inheritance in God so that basically now they just need to be strong in the Lord. Stand in what he's already given. But then that also involves a part, uh, we have a part to play. And that is put an active trust in Christ by actually taking up and using all the spiritual armor and weaponry and blessings that God has already supplied. 
Much like a soldier puts on the, the gear he's been issued in battle. So verse 11, he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And this is very much like Ephesians chapters 4, 5, and 6 that talks about, okay, you, God's blessed you. He's given you all this. Now walk in what you've been given. Put on the full armor of God. And by using this battle imagery, Paul emphasizes that our walk with God, it's not all unicorns and rainbows, right? Unless you're riding a unicorn into battle. Um, I mean, yes, we have a deep joy. We have deep meaning in our walk of faith. But make no mistake, oftentimes our walk is a battle. And so if we're following Jesus just for the warm and fuzzies, what are we going to do when Satan launches an attack on us? Because it will happen. I mean, that's what life is. This life is not all that we have. We look towards the, the, the perfect renewal that God will bring. So we should expect this world to have difficulties and tribulations. And that when we are a part of the, the, the kingdom of God and a, children, a child of God, that we will be spiritually attacked by the enemies of God. So what would we do if we think that it's all about warm and fuzzy, unicorns and rainbows? When Satan attacks, we won't hold our ground. We'll retreat from the battle. And we'll retreat from the victory that already Christ has won for us. Mature Christians, you need to understand that you are called to spiritual warfare. But too many churchgoers are just looking for spiritual child care. See, we're called to spiritual warfare, but so many of us are just looking for spiritual child care. What I mean by that is a place to be comfortable, maybe learn some interesting things, have a snack, play with friends. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Those are things we do as well, and we enjoy one another's company. We do have joy. But if that's what you think the Christian walk is, you're going to get taken out by a spiritual attack because there is a spiritual warfare going on. And we're supposed to rally together in the strength of our Lord when difficulties arise from the battle. Mature Christians rally together and we take our stand, not in our own strength, but in the strength that God has given us as his children. And, and there's so many difficulties. I mean, we've had many here at Second Baptist, right? Difficulties with leadership transition this last three years. Uh, the pandemic, right? That, that's a difficulty. And these things that are either spiritual attacks or they're just difficulties in life, they often illuminate who is spiritually prepared, who is ready for battle, and who is not. And so when the battle comes to us, are, do we flee or do we stand in the strength of the Lord? Do we figure out, all right, this is a different attack. So we have to switch things up. But do we still fulfill our mission? See, again, it's much like that chemical attack. Well, I'm not really ready for chemical attack. But we've been trained. We've been given equipment. Same with us. We've, we're going under a pandemic, that's weird. But we still have the strength and we still can fulfill our mission, have to do things differently. But we still need to engage the battle and the strength that God has given us. 
So that, and that's just an example of different difficulties and battles that go on. There's so many more. But in this passage, we learn a couple things about this spiritual battle, the spiritual warfare. Number one, Christ has already won the victory. And he has given us all the equipment that we need to walk in that victory. That's the first point. Second point is that this supernatural kingdom means that the battle will primarily be engaged in the spiritual realm. So let's look at the first point. Christ has won the victory already and given us all the equipment we need. What's interesting is the main commands here, notice in our passage, are verse 10, to be strong in the Lord, uh, verse 14, to stand. The various equipment we're commanded to put on, it's defensive in nature, which will allow us to withstand attack. Notice verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all that, to stand firm. So why are our marching orders defensive, to stand firm, to withstand attack? Well, it's because Christ has already won the victory. Paul's prayers on the earlier part of Ephesians, remember, they focus on Christians just coming to the full realization of all that Christ has already done, that he's already conquered sin and death, and he has given us a supernatural strength and a supernatural inheritance, and the Ephesians simply need to step into that salvation. They simply need to step into their new identity in Christ. That's why all these commands are defensive because we don't have to attack. We just need to stand in God's strength. So remember in Ephesians 1, 18, Paul, there's a couple of prayers in Ephesians. And, and remember what he prays for. Verse 18, have the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul prayed that they would come to full knowledge of Christ's victory and that that victory was theirs as well, that the strength that God has, has worked in them is now available to them. And so his prayer was to just, again, understand Christ's victory. Christ is ruling over all. And it's a victory that is now at work in Christ's body. And that's why Paul echoes that prayer in Ephesians 6.10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Just like in that prayer, he says, uh, according to the working of his great might. See, there's an echo there. He's like, I've already prayed that you'd know it, so now walk in it. You don't need to go on the attack. You need to simply stand in his strength. And wherever you go, if you are full of the spirit of God and fully equipped, God's kingdom will advance in you and through you. Stand firm in the victory that he's already won. Stand your ground. Don't retreat. Those are your orders. That's what Paul is saying. Because if you don't understand Christ's victory on the cross, if you don't experience his power, then, 
then you'll only have your own strength. You'll only have your own firepower. And that's not going to hold up for long. That will not hold up for long. You know, it's like going into battle without your gear. You, know, you won't last long. Or for those of you who are gamers, it's like dropping into a video game but not knowing who's on your team, not being familiar with your equipment or the mission. You don't last long. You get pawned like the noob you are. <laughs> now, so the first key is to stand firm. It's accepting the victory and the strength of God and submitting to his command. But in order to put on the full armor of God, you need to receive it. Right? You first need to receive it. And then you receive it for battle. Yes, our walk is, it is a battle. But it's, it's already been won. And your part is to spread that victory wherever you are. Yes, it's hard. It's hard to withstand. It's hard to, to keep fighting when there's awful things that happen in the world when Satan attacks. But this is a battle that's worth it. This is a battle that stretches into eternity. This is a battle where you experience God's power and his purposes in your life in a way that you've never experienced before. It's hard, but it's rewarding and it's meaningful. But it is a battle. Second point, I had said that this point, this um, passage points out is that this heavenly supernatural uh, kingdom means that the battle will primarily be engaged in the spiritual realm. So verse 12 says this. Verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So spiritual warfare is done on a spiritual level. And it's often difficult for us because uh, our true enemy, what we're really battling in and, and for, it's, it's not flesh and blood. It's not something we can shoot at. Again, it's like those, those chemical and biological agents I, I, I spoke about. You know, my Kevlar helmet will protect me from shrapnel, but it wouldn't uh, uh, protect me at all from biological agents. The unseen realm for a Christian is where the battle takes place. And just because it's unseen doesn't mean it's not a real threat. Eventually, those unseen agents will have effects in the seen realm. Again, just like those biological things, those chemical agents that you can't see them, but sooner or later on the physical realm, they do show up. But if you just attack the problem on a natural level, you're not actually attacking the problem. You're just attacking the symptoms. And for us, it means that we need to be careful not only to engage faith, um, to not just engage it in the natural realm. Because if we resort to natural means alone, we'll not be able to withstand an attack that has spiritual origins. Therefore, the equipment is not of flesh. It is spiritual. Too often, we just rely on the natural. We rely on our willpower. We rely on better management skills. Maybe some marketing. But the battle of faith, the daily battle is first and foremost a spiritual battle with the powers of darkness. 
Now, when Paul says that in verse 12, when, when I say spiritual battle with the powers of darkness, I mean, yes, it's happening on a cosmic scale, just like a soldier in, in, in a battle is part of a larger engagement. That's true. But do not think that this means it's far away. Because that battle will actually manifest in your life with close hand-to-hand -hand combat. It's a battle that first takes place in our hearts and in our minds, which makes sense. Because Jesus wins victory there first, right? He wins victory in our hearts first as we accept him. He transforms our identity. So that... Um, Coming to faith, it happens in our heart first, so too spiritual battle happens on the inside first, even though it's part of a larger campaign. Which is why when Paul talks about the spiritual battle, he often talks about it in intimate um, terms as well as those cosmic terms. For instance, in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5, the Apostle Paul also talks about um, spiritual warfare. He says this, again, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, he says... For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive uh, to obey Christ. So the battle is first within. It's very close as the Spirit of God and our flesh seek to control the battlefield of our mind. And for our part, we're supposed to submit every thought to Christ so that he will destroy any strongholds in our hearts, any place where the enemy has put a foothold in our hearts. We submit those things to Christ so that in his power, he destroys them and casts them down. And this, this closeness of this battle, it's actually hinted at in verse 12. It says, for we do not wrestle, in, in Ephesians 6, verse 12, remember it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now that's a little bit odd because with the military context, we would expect a word like mache, the, the Greek word mache to be used. In other words, fight. We do not fight against flesh and blood. or We do not battle against flesh and blood. There's lots of words that we would expect. But instead, Paul uses the term pale, which means wrestling. It means close, hand-to-hand -hand uh, combat. We're not talking about fighting at a distance. We're talking about close quarter struggle because that's where the battle first happens so what area of your heart does the enemy have a foothold in see those cosmic forces those powers of darkness that are um, doing battle in the heavenly places and on earth they're also doing battle in your heart in my heart you need to take those thoughts captive so now, why am I emphasizing this internal spiritual battle? Because the spiritual manifests in the physical, and it mostly will manifest in people, in you and me. In spiritual warfare, the enemy wants to get behind enemy lines through you and through me. See, the sad truth is the enemy, he doesn't want to kill us. He wants to use us. He wants to use us to sow discord, to break cohesion of our unit, 
And so often a spiritual battle is first and foremost a battle that manifests in the physical, in ourselves, and in our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because you know what derails the church's mission most? It's not the enemy out there. No, he's already been defeated. It's usually inside when we fail to do spiritual battle ourselves. And yes, the battle is usually a larger spiritual battle going on. But that larger battle comes close in, our, in ourselves, in our midst, hand-to-hand -hand combat. And too many times we get taken out by the enemy. And although it's important to realize that those spiritual forces of darkness do battle in people, in ourselves and others, and have an effect in the physical world, we have to remember what Paul says. The battle is not against flesh and blood. This is spiritual warfare, not physical warfare. You see, it's so important to realize that because the battle is physical, uh, excuse me, spiritual, and it manifests in the physical, that if we have a brother or sister in Christ who's getting taken out by the enemy, the response is not to, in our flesh, then, attack. No, our response is we better get geared up in the spiritual realm to protect, to stand firm, to draw together. Because the spiritual battle requires spiritual equipment. And we engage the battle that way. And so oftentimes we fail in stepping into Christ's victory because we respond in the flesh to spiritual attacks instead of in the spirit. When I say respond in the flesh, what does that mean? When someone does you wrong, you do them wrong. Someone talks about you, you talk about them. You try to seek worldly or earthly power instead of taking on these spiritual equipment. Because in Christ's army, you don't kill your enemy. You love your enemy. You die for your enemy. You pray for your enemy. And God transforms enemies into family members. We have to remember that. So yes, it's a spiritual battle that manifests in the physical realm. We all do battle in our hearts. And we see brothers and sisters getting taken out left and right. But we must always respond in the spiritual realm. And that spiritual battle requires spiritual equipment. And like the army issued me a, a gas mask, I still had to use it. I still had to put it on. I also still needed to learn how to clear it so that I wouldn't take in agents if it was poured off my, took off my head. So too... Paul says that we have been given all the equipment we need for spiritual warfare. Look at verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, as shoes of your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Now, this is an extended metaphor. And so it's, it's interesting. It's good to kind of talk about, all right, what does a helmet do? What does a shield do? But don't miss the point. This is an extended metaphor. We're not supposed to take up a literal shield. So don't go to my workshop and make a nice wooden shield. And be like, ha ha. No, that's working on the physical realm. What does the shield represent? It represents faith. Those are the things we need to take up. So put on that next slide. If we were to pull off all of the pieces of armor, what are we supposed to take up? Truth. 
righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the word of God, and praying at all times in the spirit. That is the spiritual weaponry. He just uses this metaphor to help us understand it. But it doesn't do us any good if we know all about what a Roman helmet does if we don't know about the salvation of Christ. So see, we have to put on these things. And so did you put on any of these things today? Actually, yes. If you're here, if you're watching online, right? One of the ways that we put on this armor is by together, we get with our squad, we get with our platoon, and we say, all right, let's together put on truth. We read the scriptures. We praise God. Let's put on the faith, right? The, the shield of faith. We do that by gathering together. So maybe it's better to ask, well, did you put on any of that yesterday? Will you put on this armor tomorrow? Because there is no days off on the battlefield. And we are in a battle. Now, each one of these things could be its own sermon. I'm already out of time. But in January, we're going to kick off a series. Our Wednesday night series is going to be on spiritual warfare. And the, one of the reasons that I really felt convicted is that I'm using this military terminology, sorry, I just get on these things, but, you know, as your commander, like, <laughs> I've gotten a little bit flabby, and yes, you might be thinking, in the, in the spiritual or physical, both, all right, both, and, and as a church, and if I offend you, you, maybe you need to be offended, we are flabby, we are not spiritually ready for battle, and that has borne itself out. In this pandemic, it's borne itself out in this transition, transition as we've been, people have been abandoning left and right. But the thing is, is that it's a spiritual battle. We, we don't attack people. Rather, it means that we are not spiritually battle-hardened. We are not ready to repel the attacks of the enemy and it shows. And so what does it look like? What does it look like to be engaged in spiritual warfare, right? How can we tell if a person or a church is engaged in spiritual warfare when these battles are not against flesh and blood? Well, Paul tells us in verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You see, prayer is encountering God. Prayer is stepping into the strength that God supplies. It's allowing God to capture every thought, every internal foothold of the enemy, and in the strength of his might, standing strong and extending his kingdom wherever we happen to be. So stand in the strength of God. We engage in spiritual warfare in prayer and with the sword of the Spirit by ourselves and together. That's why Paul says, hey, when you're making war, praying, pray for me. Pray for me. So battle-hardened troops in the Lord's army, they're often people that, that are unremarkable to us. You see, we may look to the charismatic leaders, those smooth-talking preachers with connections, but the demons and the spiritual forces are not afraid of those types of people. They're easy pickings if they're not prayer warriors. You know, evil spirits don't cringe at Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? The, a big batter, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. They're not afraid 
of the big buff men, charismatic men of the world. But you know who they're threatened by? I'm going to embarrass her. Connie Dussault. They are threatened by Connie Dussault because every time, every time there is a, a time of prayer and supplication for the church, she is doing spiritual battle, as are many of you. But folks that we would say, yeah, well, you know, that's not who I think of when I think of Second Baptist Church. Well, it's who God thinks of. Because this spiritual battle is done in prayer. And we can talk about all sorts of slick things that we do at Second Baptist. But the fact is, unless we are in prayer, we become a church of prayer. When the enemy attacks, when bad things happen, we won't be ready. And so this is a call to prayer. You and I are in a spiritual battle on the inside and with the heavenly and earthly forces around us. But the only way we stand in the strength of God's might, the only way we put on that equipment is by constantly being in prayer, constantly connecting to God and engaging the supernatural realm. And so, yes, I'm way past time. So... Three things quickly. For all the joy there is in following Jesus. If you're here and you're like, yeah, I'm checking this Christianity thing out. Yes, there's great joy. Yes, there's great meaning. But I don't want to sell you a false bill of goods. It's also a battle. But it's a battle that's worth fighting. It's a battle worth fighting. Yes, there's all sorts of spiritual forces. But God's given us all the equipment. So we adjust in the natural. And also, this is a call to spiritual warfare. It's a call to spiritual warfare to you, to me, to our church. And that means prayer. It means prayer. If there is not going to be prayer, then stop talking about spiritual warfare. Stop talking about engaging the supernatural. If you're not going to disarm the spiritual forces with prayer, if you're not going to gear up in prayer. See, we Christians, we often talk a good game, especially those like me who are kind of in our minds and we can talk scripture and all of that stuff. But really where the battle is fought is in prayer. And in prayer, do an inventory check on your armor. Do you, you know, maybe you don't have something. Maybe as you think, wait, I don't, the, the belt of truth, I, I, I've been... I've been believing a lot of lies, like God doesn't care or whatever. I'm, I'm having trouble with truth. Or I'm having trouble with faith, that shield of faith. As you do an inventory check in prayer, if you don't have something, Christ has already provided it. Isn't that the point? Stand in the strength of his might. Put on the armor that he has given. It's a gift. So if you feel torn down and you're like, ah, I don't know how to fight. I feel beaten down. I feel, I, I feel like I'm at a loss. Christ has already won the victory. He's already given you every piece of equipment that you need. So go to Christ, put it on. Because you need it. Today is a battle. Don't go into battle without all of the equipment that God has supplied. But know he has already supplied it. Know that he has already won the victory. And in prayer, we go into that battle. We receive his strength. And we're not taken out by the enemy. Let's pray.
Dear God, we thank you for all of the goodness that you've poured down upon us. We thank you that you've supplied our every need. May we step into that battle, Lord. We repent of not being a praying people. We repent of, of just looking to the natural realm instead of the supernatural realm. So, Lord, may you make us a people of prayer. And may your mighty power and your spirit be let loose in our congregation. May they be let loose in this valley. So, Lord, your kingdom would be spread. Your kingdom of love that loves our enemies. Where you turn enemies into friends. Ah, Lord, do that in us. Do that through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.